the Battle of Marathon was over. And the Greeks were triumphant over the Persians. Hey, Greeks, good job, Greeks. It was really exciting. And so the Greek army sent their courier, Philippides, back to Athens to declare the good news to all the people that the Greeks were triumphant over the Persians. And so this man ran the entire distance, over 26 miles from Marathon into Athens, ran it the whole way without taking a breath, as, or I'm sure he breathed, without taking a rest would probably be more accurate. It would not be a very long run had he not breathed at all. But he makes it all the way back in and he bursts into the assembly and he declares the message that Greece has defeated Persia, and then he collapsed on the ground, and he dies. It's a triumphant story. Now, if you were here last week, and you were wondering, Chris, how far would you have made it before you collapsed and died, based on what we were talking about last week, I would say I would give myself a solid 1.3 miles of top flight speed with all that adrenaline going, and then I would collapse and die, and the people at Athens would be sitting there for a very long time wondering what happened, because I would not be a very good courier. But we see stuff like that in movies all the time, right? I think that must be how it was in the ancient world that, because now we can communicate over the air in some sort of mystery cloud, but back then it had to be face to face. And so these armies would have these couriers, these messengers, and it was their job to take good news or bad news back to where the news needed to get. And a lot of times they would travel alone. A lot of times they would travel great distances, sometimes through very dangerous situations. But important news is worth traveling a long distance to deliver. Important news is worth going through whatever needs to happen in order to make sure that news is communicated. Now, I don't know all the spiritual ins and outs and workings of angel travel. I don't know if it's particularly difficult. I don't know if they have to travel a long way or if they just appear. I don't know what that looks like. But whatever that looks like, anytime angels are bringing good news, I would imagine that's pretty important news. And that's where this series through the book of Luke begins. See, over the next while, we're going to be going through the book of Luke and focusing in on the teachings of Christ. And we're going to see what Jesus, the King of Heaven, teaches us about the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to see that the good news of the kingdom is open to all people. It's a kingdom that welcomes the unexpected and the lost, and the broken, and the sick. But before we focus on the teachings of Christ, before we focus on the good news that Jesus would proclaim, we're going to look at the good news about Jesus. We're going to look at some words about Christ. And we're going to see the first announcement of the good news of an unexpected kingdom coming into the world. Good news given in a powerful way to a very unlikely audience. And so we're going to begin this series through the book of Luke in Luke chapter 2, reading verses 6 through 20. And this is the word of God. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. 
you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told them. May God add his blessing and his favor to the reading of his word. Thanks be to God for his word. Father God, we do thank you for your word, and we thank you for the words of Christ and the words about Christ. We thank you for the good news of the kingdom of God, that while we were dead in our sins and trespasses, you loved us enough to send your one and only Son into the world to redeem those who were lost, to buy us back out of our sin and brokenness and give us new life. And so, fathers, we look at this amazing good news that the angels brought to this very unlikely audience. Help us to be filled with the joy that comes with this kind of good news. And we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord and our King. Amen. So let's break down the news that the angels gave to the shepherds. Because it's good news of great joy that that does amazing things for these shepherds watching their flock out in the field. And the very first thing that we see about this good news is that the news of the angels is good news that quiets fear. It's good news that quiets fear. Now imagine you're a shepherd. Did that help you get in the mood, right? Do you feel a little more authentically a shepherd now? We're all shepherds just watching our flock in the night. And you've been around sheep all day, and I'm sure that's exhausting and tiring because they seem to constantly just want to run into the mouths of any predators that want to kill them. And so you're constantly fighting these dumb animals to keep them alive so they can be used for their purpose. And you're probably really tired by the end of the night. And so you get the, she- the sheep ready to be put to bed or whatever you do with sheep. I, this is not a good illustration because I don't really know what it's like to be a shepherd. I assume you put them to bed like children. And so they round the sheep up and they put them to bed and they're getting ready to go to bed. And then all of a sudden, this craziness happens. All of a sudden, while you're watching over your flock in the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord appears to you, and you're surrounded all of a sudden by the glory of the Lord. Again, I'm not totally sure what that looks like, but it sounds kind of horrifying. It seems perfectly natural that fear would be their immediate response. But then the angel comes and says, fear not. And I imagine the shepherds are like, oh, oh, sure, yeah, no problem, fear not. So that makes me feel totally better because this is completely normal now because you open up with fear not, thanks, I'm settled, I'm good, everything is okay now. It seems like an unreasonable request of the angel. But once we get past the shock of this story, we see something amazing take place. The very first words used to announce to the world that the kingdom of God had come into the world, were fear not. The very first words to proclaim that the king of heaven had entered into his kingdom were don't be afraid. 
Now compare this to what's going on in the world around these shepherds. Because remember, they're living in this little tiny city, but they're in the midst of Roman occupation. And things are about to get really sideways for the Roman Empire because you're about to have this continuous legacy of crazy emperor after crazy emperor after crazy emperor. You go from people like Tiberius to Caligula to Nero to Domitian, and they seem to be on this mission to out-crazy one another. One person says, you know what, I'm going to make my horse a god. And the next person's like, oh yeah, I can top that. And that's a not, it's not a place where you want to be. And so I imagine that from emperor to emperor, from governor to governor, when power was transitioning and changing in this ancient Roman world, it was a fearful time. Because you just didn't know if this next guy was going to be crazier or more violent or seek more blood than the person who came before him. But this king enters the world under the phrase, fear not. I don't think I have to tell you this, but this world is a fearful place. Sometimes we experience clear reminders of that, like we have over this past week when we see such senseless tragedy take place in our nation. But we don't need that kind of heavy tragedy to know that there's scary things in this world. There's things that unsettle us. There's things that break our heart, that our circumstances can be difficult, that our lives can be good at one moment and everything can fall apart the next. But the kingdom of God comes in not through a violent transfer of power or not through war, but through a baby born in a manger in a quiet country town. And with those two simple words, the angels speak truth to shepherds that is so profound that we need to grab a hold of realizing that this kingdom that this baby came to bring in is not a violent kingdom, but one of peace. This king didn't come in to bring a kingdom of fear, but a kingdom of comfort. And it's those words that the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before this took place, he used those words to proclaim what was coming in Isaiah chapter 40. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. He continues saying that every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low and the uneven ground shall become level and the rough places made a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now the angels are telling these shepherds those words of the prophet Isaiah, those are fulfilled to you right now. Don't fear, have comfort, have peace, and know that God is here and that he is here for you and that he loves you and that he's not bringing violence, but he's bringing peace to all who trust in him. And so for those shepherds who were shocked and fearful, when they heard the good news of the kingdom, they found peace and comfort. And that's the calling that we have today. As we hear those words from the angels that maybe if you've grown up in church or around church or just around the Christmas story, maybe those words don't sound very new anymore. Maybe you've heard the story about the birth of Christ over and over again, but hear them fresh and new this morning. The kingdom of God entered the world under the heading fear not. And so when we trust in Christ, 
And when we trust in his grace and mercy and his kindness, we have nothing to fear, but it should bring us comfort and peace because he is the king of comfort and the prince of peace who has come to save his people. And so they brought good news that quiets fear. But they also brought good news that brings great joy. Good news that brought great joy. Now, I've got good news is a loaded statement, right? When somebody comes in and says, hey, I've got great news, that could go a lot of different ways. It could be, hey, I've got great news. I have this bag of chips and they were half off. Or it could be, hey, I've got great news. I had this uncle that I didn't know about, and he died, and it's sad, but I didn't know him, so it wasn't really that hard. But he was very rich, and he's left me $78 billion. And because I love you so dearly, I would like to give you 40 of those billion dollars. Not $40, but $40 billion. That is really good news. Both of those things are good. (laughs) One of them's a little better. And so I wonder what the shepherds were thinking when the angels come and once they, you know, quiet their heart because they're so horrified and freaked out. And they're like, okay, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. And the angel says, I've got great news for you. And the shepherds could think, okay, this is good. This is going to be something. I'm excited about to hear what's coming next. Maybe I'm not going to have to be a shepherd anymore because this kind of stinks. Literally, it actually smells terrible here. And I smell terrible. And people don't like to be around me because I smell like a sheep all the time. So maybe it's a new job or a promotion. Or maybe I'll get that new model of those staff things that shepherds carry. And maybe it's one that's gold-plated and fancy or carbon fiber. I don't think they had it then. But maybe the angels could have brought it and it would have been very special and light. So there's a lot of things that could have happened here that the shepherds could have been waiting for. And the angel says, listen, I've got great news for you. Somebody else had a baby. I mean, that's good. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'm not much of a baby person, but when my kids were born, I was really joyful. My little nephew's here for the first time. I was pretty joyful when he was born, but I don't know you. I don't, I mean, good. I'm glad you had a baby, but I'm not, that's not great news for me, particularly. And so I imagine the shepherds could have been, yeah, that's good for them. <laughs> like a postcard would have done and this would have been fine i don't know that we needed the angel triumphant over here to tell me that somebody else had a baby but this is a different kind of baby this is no ordinary baby verse 11 says for unto you is born this day in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord and this meant something to these shepherds Because remember, these were Hebrew shepherds living in a land that used to belong to them that's not theirs anymore. They were living in the shadow of a kingdom that had been vanquished. They remember the stories. This is called the city of David. David was the great and mighty king that brought Israel to this amazing point of power and prestige in the world, and nothing from that remained. Now they were living in the shadow of Roman occupation under governors that didn't belong to them, with people who didn't care about them. But this angel is coming to them saying, this kingdom that you've been waiting for is here. Under this messianic hope that they were longing for the fact that one day God was going to send into the world a king who would restore all the promises that he'd given to their people. And now they were hearing this shocking revelation that just in this city right over here, this baby is born and he's the one you've been waiting for. The hope that you've clung to your whole life. The king that you've waited for and the kingdom that you've longed to see is here. And so because of that, you should rejoice. You should be really excited because of what's happening, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And that's exactly what they did. 
verse 15 through 19, they went to see Jesus and they saw this baby that had been promised to them. And verse 20 says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The shepherds didn't win the lottery. They didn't get a fancy new staff. They didn't get a promotion. They didn't get a new life. They returned, meaning they returned back to their flocks that they had left. They saw the baby, and they went back to being shepherds and were probably shepherds for the rest of their lives. But even though their vocation had not changed, everything in their lives had changed and would never be the same. And because of that, they were filled with great joy. Now, Christians are not always known as the most joyful people, but we should be. And there are plenty of reasons why we don't have joy. Like I said, the world is a fearful, hard, difficult place. Oftentimes, being a Christian doesn't make life easier, but in fact makes life harder. Even Jesus told us that that would happen, that people would hate us, that people wouldn't like us, that people would think that we're strange or bizarre, whatever you want to say there. It doesn't mean that once we trust in Christ that life is going to be easier, that we are going to be completely void of tragedy in our lives, because we know that's not true. Life can be difficult, life can be hard, and oftentimes life can be devastating. But then on top of that, sometimes this message of the kingdom can start to sound a little stagnant to our ears. Maybe we hear it so often and so much that it doesn't mean the same thing that it used to mean sometime back in the day. Or maybe the kingdom of God can feel so distant that we don't feel that close, intimate connection. Maybe it's we look at this passage and think, yeah, I mean, I guess if, if angels sang to me the good news of the gospel... And then I could go see the baby Jesus laying in a manger. Maybe if I could have all that and experience all that, maybe I would have that same kind of joy as well. And maybe we don't have angels singing the good news to us, but we don't need it. Because the Bible tells that this is the good news that we have. To mix up a lot of things in the New Testament. While we were dead in our sins and trespasses, while we were lost because of our sin and because of our brokenness, God loved us so much that he decided before the foundations of the earth that he was going to send his son into the world at the exact right moment in history to seek and to save that which was lost. To take what was dead and make it alive and to give us new life and new hope. And it's not going to be something that we have to earn. It's not going to be something that we have to work for or have to try to accomplish on our own, but something that he is going to give for us by himself as a gift. And it's going to come through not only his life, but his brutal death and then his resurrection to give us hope and new life. And it welcomes all comers. Anyone who would trust in the name of the Lord can be saved no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've experienced, no matter how hard life is. There is a salvation that surpasses all of that, and it is given to us for free. And if that's not good news that causes great joy, I'm not sure that it exists. That is the only news that can bring great joy, that triumphs over tragedy and difficulty and hardships, that allows sinners to become saints and children of God in the presence of God. We have to fight to not let that news grow stagnant. 
We have to fight to remember day after day that that's the good news and the hope of Christ, that God loves us so much that he gave his only son. And because of that, we are forgiven of our guilt and shame, and we are in the presence of God as children of God. And we need to preach that to ourselves day after day after day. And then because of that, allow our lives to be marked by joy in all we do. It's how Paul wrote to the church at Philippi who was under persecution while he was writing from prison, probably from death row, writing to them to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice because the good news is good news that brings great joy. The angels told the shepherds and they're proclaiming to us as well that the kingdom has come into the world. The king of heaven has come with his kingdom and that's good news and we should be joyful because it's good news that brings great joy and then finally we see that this is good news that is for all people good news for all people there's a lot of pressure pressures we'll make it plural when you have a baby and there's a lot of things that you think i mean i haven't personally had one but there are two that partially belonged to me, shared custody with my wife. She did most of the work. I was present for all of it, and I've changed diapers, so I think that counts for something. But I have not actually had a baby, so I don't have that pressure on me. But there's all kinds of other pressure that happens around with it. Some of the things that you imagine, financial pressure and figuring out where you're going to go and what doctor you're going to do and all that kind of stuff. Some of the things that you don't think about, like naming a child, there's a lot of pressure in that. You are naming a human. This is not your puppy that's going to live eight years. Like, this is a child. And so you start thinking in your head all the things that rhyme with your kid's name, and you start to, like, put words together to figure out how things go. And I had to realize this, that dills sounds like the end of a word, right? So you have to make sure that when you put those words together, it doesn't become a weird word. Like, somebody didn't think that when you put Chris and dills together that it becomes crystals, (laughs) in case you're wondering not pointing out anything in particular here, David and Laura, but you start thinking about, because there's a lot of pressure that goes into this stuff, right? But one of the things that carries with it the most pressure, particularly when it's your first child, is the order in which you are going to tell people that you are having a baby. There's a lot of weight that rests on that. And so you sit down and you look at one another very seriously and you start to say, okay, who has to know first? How are we going to get all these people in the same room? How are we going to make sure that these grandparents know and these grandparents know? When are we going to tell these people? When are we going to tell these people? When are we going to announce them to the world? And there's a lot of weight that rests on that. Because you want to make sure that the people who are closest to you and the most important in your life get to hear that news first because it's special. But then also on the other side of the world, when you see celebrity babies born, They want to tell everybody as fast as they can, right? And so it gets in newspapers and on social media and all over the place. I don't know why I started with newspapers. It's in the newsies, guys. But it's all over everything, and you can find out when the royal people in London are having babies, and I don't actually even know what their names are, but I can tell you usually when they're about to have a child because all of a sudden we all want to know that this is happening. And so if you have this pressure to tell the important people first, or when somebody profound or famous is being born, then the whole world wants to know immediately as soon as it happens, and there are people ready to jump on that, you would expect that when the kingdom of God is coming into the world, when the king of heaven is being born, it would want to make a loud, important introduction. But again, this isn't that kind of kingdom. The shepherds were people of lowly estate. Again, they spent all their time with sheep. That is not a glamorous way of life. 
These were not high rollers or influential, famous people. You didn't have politicians and kings and emperors out watching the sheep. These were the most common of common people that you could imagine. And yet now here they sit with a VIP invitation to meet the Son of God. And the story of Esther, the reason we consider that a story of bravery is that even though Esther was the queen, coming into the king's chambers unannounced or uninvited could be a crime worthy of death. And so if the queen didn't have that kind of access, the common people couldn't even get through the gate. But here they are. Unexpected guests before the kingdom, before the king of heaven. If we read in between the lines, we see the angel saying, not only is this king here, but he's here for you. Listen to that phrasing there. It says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. The angels are saying to these shepherds here, the kingdom of God is here and it's here for you. The son of God is born into this world and he is born to you, for you, to bring about your salvation. And this announcement lays the foundation for the message that this baby would one day grow up to proclaim. As Jesus begins preaching about the kingdom of God, he comes out to the lowly and the broken and the poor and the sick and the sinners and the outcasts. And he looks at them and he says, the kingdom of God is here for you and it's here for you and it's here for you. And it comes to you free of charge by me and by my grace. He says for the sick and the poor and the broken and the needy, the kingdom of God is here for you. For the hurting and the lost and the broken, the kingdom of God is with you and in your midst and for you. And we're reminded, too, that it's here for me. And it's here for you as well. This is the good news for all people. It can be really intimidating now with 2,000 years of church history to feel like there's a certain expectation for what it means to be a follower of Christ or come to church or to be a part of the kingdom of God. But from the very beginning, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to save the righteous but sinners because healthy people don't need a doctor. But then the Bible also tells us that there is no one good, there's no one righteous, there's no one who seeks after God, that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And so that means that every single one of us fall into those categories. We are the lost. We are the outcasts. We are the people who don't have what we're needed. We are the ones who are dead in our sins and trespasses. And under the proclamation of this angel's message, the kingdom of God comes into the world, and it's good news of great joy for all people because there is no entrance requirement into the kingdom save trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation. There's no such thing as good enough because we're not. But Jesus was good enough to open that door for us. We're going to see stories and parables where Jesus talks about wedding feasts that are designed for wealthy, important, influential people. But the master of the feast opens the doors and sends the servants outside the city walls to bring in the unexpected people to give them new clothes and welcome them in. That's the good news of the gospel. And so if you're here and you've never trusted in Christ before for salvation, and maybe you think, you don't understand, man, I'm not good enough. You don't know what's in my past. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I did this morning. You don't know how I fit in. Here is the good news that's good for all people. It doesn't matter because Jesus is bigger than your sin. 
Jesus is more merciful than your brokenness and, and whatever you've done. He doesn't call you to get cleaned up to come to the table, but he gives you new clothes by grace and grace alone that is a free gift offered to you that you can't buy, but it doesn't matter because he bought it for you. And so if you've never trusted in Christ for salvation before, I would encourage you to come and talk with me or Pastor Adam or Pastor David after the service about what it means to trust in Jesus, to be saved by his grace, to be a part of the kingdom of God, and to go through the waters of baptism. If you're here and you do trust in Christ, and you know the grace and mercy of God, and you've believed in that gospel message, and it's good news for you, then we have the call and the responsibility to be like the angels and to take that gospel to all people. No matter who they are, no matter where they come from, no matter what they've done, it is our responsibility to share the grace and mercy of God everywhere we go and proclaim the good news of the kingdom that brings great joy. And to do it, by the way, joyfully. This is how the king of the world was introduced to the world he came to save by angels in the middle of the night to a bunch of regular people. The gospel of the kingdom began with a message of good news, of great joy to all people that calms fear. And as we're going to see, that baby in the manger grows up to be exactly who he was promised to be, the Savior of the world. Next week, we're going to look at Jesus' introduction to the world as exactly who he is as he teaches in the synagogue and makes the declaration that I am he that God has promised, that I'm the one that sets the captives free, I'm the one that restores sight to the blind, that I'm the one that is bringing the day of the Lord into the world to redeem the world and to save the world. And after that, we're going to continue on and look at all the things that Jesus taught through the book of Luke. And we're going to learn about what it means to be a member of the kingdom of God, how we should live, how we should speak, how we should think, how we should act. But also we're going to see Jesus teaching in parables about what it means that we get to belong to the kingdom of God no matter who we are and what we've done. And so as we do over this next period, as we go through the book of Luke, I want to encourage you to read along and, and catch up and get ahead and read through the book of Luke over this season but also rest in the good news. Let the grace and mercy of God quiet your fear and calm your hearts. Recognize it to be something beautiful that brings you great joy. And then go and take it to all people as we live out the calling to be a part of this kingdom brought to us by the King of Heaven.